So when I asked you to put down your headphones a couple of minutes ago, yeah. I told our listeners that you were on Jupiter. Welcome once again to the Think Like the Test podcast. I'm your host, Ben Caldwell. With me is Carrie Wieda. Hello again. And Carrie, are you familiar with the LSAT, the law school entrance exam? Yes, I, I never took it, but I'm, I'm familiar with it. Are you familiar with the logic questions that are part of the regular SAT? Oh, gosh. I mean, I remember that was one of the sections, but I don't know anything more about it. They test you on your ability to use logic. And that is assumed to be a useful skill then for the other studying that you will be doing, right? If you have good logic, then you might be a very good legal practitioner that relies on understanding and applying rules that are in combination with each other. You have to follow the logic chain, et cetera. And for the SAT, if you're good at using logic to solve problems, that can indicate that you're going to do well in your future college studies, right? That makes some sense. That makes sense, yeah. It's fair to say that part of test-taking skill is logic. And as we mentioned in a prior episode, you're not going to see on your exams questions with response options like all of the above or none of the above, because the tests, at least ostensibly, are not tests of your ability to use logic. They are tests of your underlying knowledge of the profession, uh, your ability to fulfill tasks that rely on professional knowledge in order to be a safe and effective uh, practitioner. However, the way that these exam questions often wind up being structured, you can benefit by using your logical knowledge. It can make some of responding to test items more efficient. You still need the underlying knowledge but if you can apply some logic rules, sometimes you can get to the right answer faster. And I think that is the case with our question today. So here is your practice question, Carrie. Okay. As always, you're coming in cold. You have not seen this question before. So we're going to hear your thought process as you go through this for the first time. This question comes from the current California BBS handbook for the MFT clinical exam. And it says a 25-year-old client initiates therapy with complaints of chronic depression and a lack of motivation. The client currently lives with his grandparents, does not have any money, and is attempting to finish graduate school. He discloses that his parents had a traumatic divorce several years ago, and he fears he will become like his father, who had an emotional breakdown and abused his mother. The client currently has a girlfriend who lives in another state, and he says he feels alone without her. Which of the following actions should the therapist take to assess this client? You know from previous episodes, of course, to pay attention to that word, assess. A, gather family history, explore clients' strengths, identify coping mechanisms. B, gather family history, determine somatic symptoms, identify familial coping patterns. C, explore substance use, determine somatic symptoms, identify coping mechanisms. D, explore substance use, explore clients' strengths, identify familial coping patterns. Oh, no. I wish, for <laughs> listeners, I wish people could see the face that you just made reading that question. <laughs> you seem horrified. I am. Like, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but these four answers are just four permutations of the same four things. So I'm supposed to like identify which are the correct four things, right? Pretty much, yes. And this is a quite common construction on the California MFT clinical exam. That's so confusing. Oh, all right. Okay, let's take this one step at a time. Um, Okay. Which of the following actions should the therapist take to assess this client? So we're talking about assessment. Okay, okay. Um, Gather family history. Yep, that's a good thing to do. Um, explore clients' strengths. Yeah, I think that's also uh, an important thing to do. Identify coping mechanisms. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm looking at those things. I, I think those are all those are all good. Uh, gather family. Uh, this is B. Gather family history. Determine somatic symptoms. Identify familial coping patterns. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, identify familial coping patterns. That's different than A. A was just like identify coping mechanisms. Oh my Lord, this is confusing. Okay, C, explore substance use, determine somatic symptoms, identify coping mechanisms. I'm, I'm gonna be honest, I feel like such a bad MFT right now because I do not know if there's a functional difference between coping mechanisms and coping patterns. Oh my God. Well, and it feels like splitting hairs, right? It does? I, either either way, you are assessing coping. Yeah. Identify coping mechanisms feels a little more individually focused. Identify familial coping patterns feels a little more family history focused. But either way, you're assessing coping. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And so, like, I I'm from my old crisis counseling days. I'm remembering like, uh, you can identify. It can be helpful to identify current coping mechanisms that work uh, to kind of take a client out of a crisis moment. But I'm aware that this is not a crisis situation question. Uh, Or One of the previous questions we addressed said, what action should the therapist take initially in this crisis situation? And that is not what this one says. Right. This one says, which of the following actions should the therapist take to assess this client? So- Well, let's start with the beginning. All of them, all of the answers either start with gather family history or explore substance use. I think those are both great things to do in an assessment. Um, Let's look at the question. Uh, It's told me a lot about the the family history. Not a lot, but a lot of the family circumstances. Lives with his grandparents. Uh, His parents had a traumatic divorce several years ago. His father had a quote-unquote emotional breakdown and abused the mother. Um, His girlfriend lives in another state. Now, interestingly, like it doesn't say a single thing in here about substance use. Oh, shoot. I don't know if that means I should assess for it or not. Okay. Okay. Well, hold on. Um, Hold on. So uh, a proper assessment, like like a general just totally like standard uh assessment um definitely does look at the the family situation um support system around the client uh but i think a good assessment also does require at least asking about substance use because if even just because the client didn't bring it up uh could have something to do uh with the with 
with what's going on. Um, so that, you know what? I'm starting to think, because now if I'm looking back, right? Now if I look back, he initiated therapy with complaints of chronic depression and a lack of motivation. Um, it's it's totally possible that there could be some substance use that's playing into that that he just didn't mention. I could be so off on this, but I'm going to say, yeah, we should explore the substance use because I do feel like at least we've got some family history uh, to go off of. He's given me a fairly good idea of the major players in his life right now, I think. Um, so I think I got enough to, to start with. So, all right, I'm going to say C or D. Let's let's look at let's look a little bit closer at C or D. Um, C, the next one is determine somatic symptoms. Oh, again, I'm I'm not like a I don't I don't specialize in like a somatic approach to therapy. So ugh, maybe maybe if I knew more that that might be important to do right away. Um, Carrie, I'm going to ask you a quick favor. Yeah. Can you take your headphones and just put them down for a minute? When you see me give you a thumbs up, put them back on. OK. OK. For our listeners. I just want you to know, Carrie right now is on a wildly wrong road. I'm going to let this play out because I want to know where she goes, but don't emulate this and I'll explain why. I apologize for the interruption, Carrie, please continue. Oh God, okay. Um, I, I wonder, determine somatic symptoms. You know, he hasn't, this this client hasn't mentioned anything to give me an indication that that might be part of what he his concern is, like his presenting concern, or even like what he wants to talk about in therapy. Uh, he's complaining about chronic depression and lack of motivation. Um, but he's not saying you know he's too sick to get out of bed. Um, yeah, and he's not saying. When he says he feels alone without his girlfriend, you know, he's not talking about like having panic attacks or anything. He's just saying that he, you know, he's lonely, which I get. Um, so I'm all right. I'm leaning towards D. And now here's the thing. I, de I still am not I identify coping mechanisms. I, I want to pick that one. Um, simply because that uh, gives me, it, fe it feels like the thing I should do first. But I had to keep reminding myself that that is not what this question is saying. This question is not saying, what should I do first? This question is saying, what should I do to assess this client? Oh, wow. I, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm shooting it in the dark at this point. This, I, I'm going with D. Explore substance use. Explore client strengths identify familial coping patterns scale of one to ten how confident are you oh one and like a, less than 0.5 would you like to use a lifeline oh my god can i i didn't know that was an option yes 100 <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. you think i would have liked to have known that several episodes ago oh exactly didn't know <laughs> maybe this hint will help the question isn't asking which of these is part of a good assessment? If that was the question, then all of them would be correct, right? You you can reasonably uh, ask this stuff of any client. 
Right. It's asking which of the following actions should the therapist take to assess this client? Oh, oh no. Okay. <laughs> I honest to God, I, I would say it's either C or D, which is I, I'm so I don't know. I have no idea. I'm not going to change my answer. I'm going to go with D. Knowing full well, like I have a 50, I have a, I have probably 75% chance of that being wrong. So when I asked you to put down your headphones a couple of minutes ago, yeah. I told our listeners that you were on Jupiter, basically. <gasps> really? Your your path was wildly incorrect. Oh, but I think no. It's, I think it's incorrect in a helpful way. So I oh, hope good. you don't mind my saying that. No, please, please, please. I have talked the, myself into who knows where I I know Jupiter's a good a good word for it. The correct answer here is A. Bit. Stop it. Really? Oh, Gather no. family history, explore clients' strengths, and identify coping mechanisms. And here's the thing. We talked in a prior episode about the importance of sort of categorization of response options. You want to make sure you know the difference between like a goal and an intervention, the difference between assessment and treatment. That actually doesn't help you here because everything in all of these response options, th those are all assessment tasks that are all pretty reasonable. Yeah. This question is also not asking you what makes for a good assessment generally? Because again, all of these things can be involved generally in good assessment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where you can get to the right answer, dare I say pretty quickly, on this one is through logicking it out. Is that a verb, logicking? I'm making I mean, it one. it is now. Because you don't want to assume facts not in evidence. Okay. And bear in mind that for response options like this, if a single part of it is wrong, then the whole thing is wrong and you can rule that out. Oh, yeah. So you caught on, but it just not strongly enough to hold on to it. There are no somatic symptoms here. The client hasn't endorsed anything in the somatic realm. And yes, in general, in a good assessment, you're going to ask about everything. But for this particular client with just the information that's in front of you, you don't need to determine somatic symptoms. He hasn't indicated any. Right. So you can immediately knock out B and C. And there's also no evidence of substance use. But isn't when there's that no why evidence, I'm supposed to assess for it? If there had been some other evidence suggesting that a substance issue might be present here then okay sure but there's nothing like that wait and wait so, tell me tell me wait no tell me why there's nothing like that because what i'm thinking is complaints of chronic depression and lack of motivation uh depressed mood and and a, and a lack of motivation can be symptoms of uh, uh marijuana use um and his father had an emotion. He's afraid that he's going to become like his father who had an emotional breakdown and abuse his mother. Emotional mm -hmm. breakdown could be uh, like a, a, a psychosis, psychotic break, which uh, can, if you are like happen in midlife, if you are predisposed to schizophrenia, marijuana use, excessive marijuana use can trigger a psychotic episode. So that's what I'm thinking that it. So if he is predisposed to schizophrenia in, in his family history because it could be there because that could have been what was going on with his father. 
And if he's using marijuana excessively to kind of cope, then it's possible he could become like his father. And it would be imperative that he stop the excessive marijuana use right away. The path that you're on, while I totally understand that, and as a clinician, I empathize with it because, of course, we are looking for explanations, right? We want to have a better understanding, like, how did this client get here? What is the, the pattern in the family? I think clinically, that is a great instinct. On an exam, that is a terrible instinct. And this is one of those ways where the exam, it it doesn't reflect actual clinical practice, right? Oh, the exam okay. assesses your ability to pass the exam. Right. And for the exam, you do not want to get into that kind of speculation because at that point you are relying on facts, not in evidence. All of the information that you should need to answer the question is in the question. And so if you stick solely to what is in front of you here, there is no evidence of substance use. There is no evidence of somatic symptoms. There is evidence that family history is relevant because the question says so. There is evidence that the client has some strengths because they are in graduate school, despite all this other stuff. There is evidence of coping mechanisms being used. Right. The, this client uh, feels alone, but he is doing his best to finish graduate school at 25. Like, yeah. not bad. Good on you, man. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. So if we rely just on what is in the question oh. and we logic out the parts that are incorrect in B, C and D, we can actually get pretty quickly to, yeah, it's got to be A. There's no substance use here. There's no somatic symptoms here. So any response option that includes either one of those things is automatically wrong because if one part of it's wrong, the whole thing is wrong. That leaves me with A. A makes great sense. I'm good. That's A. Next question. Oh, wow. That makes a lot of sense now that you're saying that. This is fascinating. I mean, like I have heard this before. People say that like the the clinical exam is not practice. It's not about like what you would actually do. It's just about what what is the right answer that you mm-hmm. that you should do or what's the right answer for the test. But I really didn't have a, a good idea of what that meant. This makes a lot of sense. Wow. Well, thank you for bringing me back from Jupiter. I this I learned a lot in this one. If you as an examinee have a tendency to find yourself on Jupiter, you should probably take our exam prep programs at bencaldwelllabs.com. So check us out once again, bencaldwelllabs.com. Thank you for your trip to Jupiter, Carrie. (laughs) We'll see you next time.